It's great to be here. So as Steve said, um, we, we serve as, uh, my wife and I, we serve as executive pastors in family church. No one really knows what that means, as I say, every time I come, and we don't either. Um, but uh, it's our joy to, to oversee, basically, the running of the church and uh, as a whole. Uh, and we're able to do that a little bit more now because we've handed over the Portsmouth congregation to Sean and Paula Finch um, back in September. And um, I was going to say that's freed up loads and loads of time in my life to, uh, to, to do whole church stuff. Um, and in some ways it has. Uh, but one thing it's enabled uh, us to do, uh, and, and me specifically, is to run Forge Ministries School. Uh, which runs every weekday morning, 9 till 12.30. It's a year's course. Um, It's for all of those who God has called to the ministry, uh, which is every single one of us, because ministry isn't about standing in front of a church, uh, a room full of Christians preaching. Ministry is about doing whatever God has called you to do in your life, whatever that may be. It might be work, it might be family, it might be serving in the church, uh, or a whole host of other things. It might be business uh, and doing it to God's glory, doing it for God. It's what you do for God. That's what ministry is. And, uh, and a huge part of what we're doing with Forge is equipping people who know they're not going to be working in the church full-time, but they're full-time serving God in their lives, and that's every one of us. Um, if you want to know more about Forge, <laughs> speak to me afterwards, or read this little booklet, or go to the website by the webpage, family.church forward slash forge. Forward slash forge. And uh, you can find out more about that. It runs September to July every year. Um, I think we, we're doing around 280 hours of, of teaching um, as part of Forge. It's a full-on course. Um, and, and I've done quite a lot of those hours of teaching myself so far. Um, Realised, you know, when I designed it, I was like, this is, this is going to be fantastic, easy. And then suddenly it's like, like three weeks of stew teaching. I'm like, wow, this is a lot of preparation. Um, but it's, it's a joy. Uh, everything's a joy. Not everything. That's a complete lie. Um, life has some really hard times, doesn't it? But I think um, you can choose joy in everything. I think that's probably what I'm saying. What's this thing? Yeah, I know, it's the timer. You can choose joy in every, everything. Even when life is challenging, you can still choose joy. Uh, and I'm not saying fake it till you make it, but what I am saying is dig into God and, and you find everything that you need in him. So, yeah, my wife, Carla, she sends her love to all of you today. She's in Portsmouth. She's running our Rising Stars Kids Group today. She does that once every four weeks. Uh, there will be about 45 children in a classroom um, aged 5 to 7 that she is with. So please pray for her right now. <laughs> Let's just pray for her right now. Let's spend the rest of the morning praying for Carla because <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a huge group. And, and in that group, we have four, sometimes five children that have special education, educational needs um, where they need a one-to-one with them as well, which is a huge demand on the workers as well. So... My wife's amazing, isn't she? <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and Corbin, he's 17. Elliot's 14. Lola is seven on Thursday. Seven on Thursday. And they don't send their love because they probably don't. The boys don't even know I'm here. Um, Lola does. She wanted to come with me, but she's, uh, I made her stay in Portsmouth. 
Well, I thought, well, if, if, if she goes to kids' church and then she doesn't settle, then I have to go out there. And then Steve's like, come on, Stu, come and speak. And I'm out in kids' church with Lola. It just wouldn't work. Um, yeah, that's true. I'm scared she would like it more here than in Portsmouth, Steve. <laughs> okay, anyway, let's crack on, shall we? So this month, we have a theme And our theme is encounter, and we're going to speak for three weeks on the theme of encounter. This is the introduction week, and then Steve will cover anything I missed this week over the next two weeks. Um, Now, the definition of encounter is to come upon face-to-face, to to experience, and often um, to have a surprise, um, a surprise encounter. Um, so, so that's the definition of encounter, to come upon face-to-face or to experience. And this month we're talking about encountering God because I'm sure that you understand this. To, to know about God is just not enough. To know about, a lot of people know about God. A lot of people know about God, but to know about God is not enough to equip you to live for God, to live big for God and His kingdom in your life. And Family Church, we're all about equipping people to live according to God's kingdom, to live His ways, uh, to do things God's way, um, and and to approach life with the view of um, God Often, there's a different way that God wants us to behave, to act, to speak, isn't there? Um, and, and we want to dig into that. We want to, to know what God wants of us and not do it because it's a bunch of rules, because no one can really follow the rules. We want to live for God because it's in our hearts, that God, because God's kingdom has been planted in our hearts, and we want to live big for him um, for that reason. Is there a cake, a uh, bake-off today, by the way? Uh. I said I was only going to come and speak when there's a bake-off. Ah, oh. okay. Okay, I, I, I still, I'll carry on, I'll carry on. I'll carry on. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm sure we can muster up something, can't we, Sheena? Um, so, <laughs> anyway, as, as we move into 2023... Uh, the leaders of Family Church, uh, Stephen Kirsty, a part of the, the team of senior leaders of Family Church. Um, our prayer for you is that you and we would encounter God in a fresh way. Our prayer is that those who are part of our church family already, most of you guys here, that you would have a fresh experience of God in your lives. And, and that also those who have never met God yet, who happen to be here in the month of January, but throughout the year, any time, those that visit the church, um, those that maybe were part of the church in in time gone by and and, and just connect with us again, our prayer is that um, they would also have an encounter with God, that, that, that we would be a people that meet with God face to face. That, that we would be a people who, who really experience God and don't just know about God. That's our prayer. And, and I think to, to make that happen, well, first of all, we have to pray. We have to, we have to be praying. We have to be asking God for that to happen. But I think we also have to make space for that to happen. We have to be ready for that to happen. We have to be expectant of that. So we're going to talk about some of those things today. Why, why do we need an encounter with God? 
Because having an encounter with God, experiencing God, not just knowing about God, will change your life forever. And it changed my life forever. And I'll tell you about that in a little while. But I was 10 years old um, when I remember the first time that I really experienced God present with me. And it changed my life. Um, God showing up in our lives was never meant to be a one-off event, was it? In fact, God showing up in our lives... God wants to be that, uh, that to be a regular event, a continual event, maybe even a, a daily event in our lives. And not just an event, really, just a, an ongoing uh, relationship with God, um, just as in marriage. You know, I, I don't just want to know about my wife. I want to know her. I want, I want us to share life together. I want it, us to experience life together. And that's what God wants for us. So... Uh, many people know about God, but that doesn't change your life. But when you encounter or when you experience God, uh, you will never be the same again. This is the kind of impact an authentic encounter w- with God will have on your life. I-, I could think of four things that that it did for me that it will do for a person who has an authentic encounter with God. Y- you want to know God more. You You will know God more and you want to know God more. Um, you will want to live for God. You want to do things His way. You will want to follow God's calling over your life, His path for your life. The, the moment you, you enter into a relationship with God, you discover that God has a plan for your life. And, and fourthly, um, you want to serve God wholeheartedly. That's what an authentic encounter with God will produce in a person's life. You want to know him more. You will want to live for him, do things his way. You want to follow his call upon your life, and you will want to serve him wholeheartedly. So, you know, you often hear Steve moaning at you about, oh, we need more people on this team and more people on that team. Moaning and moaning and moaning. And the thing is, if we all have an authentic encounter with God... He won't need to moan at you anymore because you'll just be like, I want to serve God with all of my heart. Where can I serve? I want to give every spare minute that I've got to serve in the house of God. That's every like pastor's dream when come on, someone comes and says that. Um, and we understand that you have life, you have family, you have work, you have lots of commitments. And we're not expecting uh, you, know, you to kind of drop everything suddenly. Um, or maybe we are. What we're not expecting you to do is abandon your family and your job and your commitments so that you can serve in the church. We're expecting you to just get passionate about the house of God Um, because that happens when when you encounter him. So this happened to Jacob, the grandson of Abraham and the son of Isaac. Well done. Well done, Steve. In Genesis chapter 28, we read of a dream that Jacob had. So um, when Jacob had this dream, Jacob's knowledge of God really was what had been passed down to him by his grandfather and by his father, um, what had been told to him. So he knew about God. Uh, He believed in God. He believed that God was real. But there hadn't been this encounter with God yet. And even in this dream, he dreams... um, in a way that is is incredible, but he still hasn't yet encountered God. And we're just going to read this passage from Genesis 28, first of all. 
10 to 17. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and travelled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamt of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. Angels are simply messengers of God. Um, Verse 13. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. So, again, this just shows me that that this, at the moment for Jacob, is still uh, a kind of distant relationship with God. He's not yet truly encountered God. Uh, the, the ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your de- descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the east and the west, the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed, will be blessed through you and your descendants. And of course, that is, um, in many ways, a messianic prophecy. Uh, Jacob's own line uh, would be great and many many descendants but of course Jesus came through this line and and all who put their faith in Christ become uh, descendants of Abraham the father of of, of faith and and, um, God's children what an amazing thing to be called a child of God so verse 15 what's more I'm with you I will protect you wherever you go one day I will bring you back to this land I will not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I've promised you Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It's none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. So we'll just stop there for a minute. Um, Jacob said, The Lord was in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. Um, And I kind of figure that is is the, the way that some people sort of feel when they come into our church gatherings sometimes. People can see that God is working. They, they accept, perhaps, that God is real. They believe in God, but they're not experiencing God in their lives, his presence in their lives for themselves. Many people believe in God, acknowledge that he's working, but don't experience him in their own lives. But many years later, many, many years later, um, after two wives and 11 children, and two servants that helped him bear those children. Um, long story, really long story. We're not going to go into that. Um, many years later, Jacob had an encounter with God that changed his life forever. So in this next passage, we're going to see Jacob move from knowing about God to knowing God experientially. Not just theory, but experience. So Genesis 32, 22. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 children, sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Then Jacob was alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Like If you've got a WWF picture in your mind, (laughs) not quite like that. Not quite so much drama as that. Um, We'll read on. (laughs) This explains it a bit better. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. And the man said, let me go, 
for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. And he blessed Jacob there. Jacob knew who he was wrestling with. Verse 30, Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Verse 32, even today the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. There we go, we'll stop there. So, so there was this second uh, moment that we're reading about today, and this was, this was an encounter with, with God. Uh, this man uh, was, was God um, in a pre-carnate form. And, and, and Jacob says here, I met with God face to face. I met with God face to face. And because of that moment, his life was changed. I mean, it literally changed the way that he walked physically. Um, but the greatest change wasn't physical in, the, in terms of the hip. It was what happened in Jacob's heart. He met with God and his heart was changed forever. Now, one important thing to note is that Jacob's encounter with God here came as a result of his pursuit of God. He would not let go. He would not let go of that man that he wrestled with. That is God in this account here. We read that Jacob got hold of this man and would not let go until that man did something in his life, blessed him. Jacob's pursuit of God reminds me of what David says in Psalm 63, which I just want to read now. Um, And this psalm was written when David was in the wilderness, a dry uh, and a, a bleak land, okay? And, and David in Psalm 63, oh, we're just going to read verses 1 and verse 8 of this psalm. He says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Verse 8, I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. In the King James Version, it says, instead of I cling to you, it says, my soul follows hard after you. There is something about um, pursuing God um, that God loves. God God isn't running from us in, in order to hide from us so that we can't find him. But there's something about the pursuit of God where, you know, when you play hide and seek with, with kids uh, and you go and hide and they have to try and find you, you're not hiding to always be hidden forevermore. Um, you're hiding so that they can find you. That's part of the joy of the game, isn't it? And, and in some ways, um, our pursuit of God um, is, is a bit like that. God isn't hiding so that we can't find him. In fact, he's, he's hiding just enough so that we go after him. I think there's an expectation that we, we go after God, and when you go after God, you will always find him. You will always find him. You will encounter him 
when you have a heart to pursue him. But I think it starts with the hunger in our hearts. I think it starts with a, with a thirsting in our hearts. Jesus stood up at that great feast and declared, I'm, I'm the water of life, I'm the living water. Um, he also referred to himself as the bread of life. Um, and, uh, and, and everyone that came to Jesus, their life was satisfied. Their, their heart was satisfied when they met with Jesus. Amen? Amen? Okay. So, Jacob's pursuit of God reminds me of, of, of what David said here. And he, and, and he talks about this hunger. And he talks about having a thirsting in his heart for God. And, and only God, only God can satisfy your heart. In this life, you can go after all sorts of stuff, but it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't fulfill. Nothing in this world can, can, can fulfill you. And, and people spend their lives going after happiness in money and in relationships and in fame and all that stuff, whereas noth- none of that, none of that can truly satisfy a person's heart. If we're going to have a relationship with God where we experience his presence in our lives rather than just knowing about him, we've got to pursue God like Jacob did. Here's another psalm, it's Psalm 24, and it talks about Jacob at the end of this passage here. So Psalm 24, verses, it's just verses 3 actually, 3 and 4. It says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. So I'm just going to read verses 5 and 6, which you might not have on the screen. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, Selah, which means pause for thought. So it, it describes those who seek hard after God, who run hard after God. As, as a Jacob generation, the kind of people that Jacob was. Jacob was the man who wrestled with God and didn't let go until he got hold of, of God. And, and I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people that runs hard after God, that, that is in pursuit of God. And I never want to let up. When I was 16, I, I really started this journey. I'm 46 now. When I'm 76, I still want to be going hard after God. And when I'm 106, I still want to be running hard after God. Um, we, we, we live in uh, Baffins in Portsmouth, and our next-door neighbors, uh, a lovely couple, um, the, the gentleman just passed away last year, um, Arthur and Jean Cray. Uh, they were involved with the Elim Church many years ago um, in Portsmouth. And they run the kids' ministry there. 94 years old, um, Arthur was, and Jean is. Um, and they love Jesus. And they are running hard after God. Um, and and, and they're, I mean, especially Arthur, he was just such a, just lovely with Lola and always sharing Jesus with her, with, with my daughter. And, and I just think, yeah, that's what I want to be like. I want to keep running hard after God all the days of my life. So... So every time we encounter God's presence, um, it's completely fulfilling. And it totally satisfies. Yet there is this thing of, like, I'm satisfied, yet I'm dissatisfied. 
because actually the more I experience God, the more I experience his presence, the more I want of him as well. So he satisfies me completely, yet there is a dissatisfaction in that I just want more. I want more. I don't want to just live a dry life where I don't experience the living water of God. I want to know his presence in my life. It creates a yearning in our hearts for more of God. Anyone know what I'm talking about this morning? Um, A dissatisfaction that can only be filled by regular, fresh encounters with God. Psalm 27, verse 8. I love this. Um, David writes these words, and he says, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Like his instant response was, God, your face I will seek. I will go after you. Now, in the New Testament, the majority of people who had a life-changing encounter with Jesus were those who were desperate to meet him. There was a hunger in their hearts. Let's just throw out some examples here today. Uh, Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus is the little guy that climbed up a tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. And Jesus noticed him. Jesus noticed him because there was something in Zacchaeus' heart that was going after Jesus. Um, Jesus then visited his home and Zacchaeus' life was changed from that very moment because he met with Jesus. And Zacchaeus didn't allow natural limitations his short stature, to prevent him from seeking after Jesus. And there might be natural limitations in our lives, um, like how much time we've got, for example, whether we feel tired, whether we know the words of a song that we're singing when we gather as a church, um, whether we can't sing because we've got a terrible voice, um, or so people tell us. But um, the amazing thing is that God thinks every one of us sound beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that myself, that I think you all sound beautiful. Um, I don't think I sound beautiful sometimes. You should have heard me over Christmas with my cold thing that I had going on. But we do we do to God. And, and, and we may all have natural limitations in, in different ways, but Zacchaeus didn't let that stop him pursuing Jesus. And we shouldn't let any natural limitations stop us pursuing Jesus. And then, of course, there was the woman with the flow of blood who for 40 years had been bleeding um, and uh, there was nothing the doctors could do. This was not just embarrassing but humiliating and she was an outcast in society. Yet we find her in the middle of a crowd that was following after Jesus, pursuing Jesus with an intent just to touch his garment, just to touch him. And the moment she does that, of course, power went out from Jesus and she was completely healed. In that very moment, she just knew that she had to get hold of Jesus. She, she had a desperation in her heart to get hold of Jesus. And it says, suddenly, power went out of him. Jesus felt power go out of him. And he said, who touched me? And, and, and he's being pressed on every side by the crowd. Yet he, he, someone touched him. And it was this woman who was desperate to get hold of him, who, who had a, a deep need in her life, who, who knew that if I can just get hold of Jesus, then something's going to happen. Of course, she was healed completely. Jesus noticed her too. And that word suddenly, there's a lot of suddenlies in the Bible when it comes to, to God. And it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because she 
was desperate to touch his garment. She knew something would happen if it did. But then it says, suddenly, the disciples, they gathered in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. Um, and all they knew is that they had to gather together and just seek God. But as they did that with desperate hearts to say, God, we, we, we know that you promised your Holy Spirit. We know that you promised to come and be with us by your Spirit. Suddenly, there was a mighty rushing wind that filled the place. And their lives were filled with the Spirit of God, with the very presence of God. Uh, it rem- also, this, this account of the woman with the, the flow of blood, it reminds me that the crowd may not understand your hunger for God. The crowd around your lives, maybe even your family, may not understand your hunger for God. They may not like it. They may tell you to calm down a bit. They may even try and push you back like they probably did with that woman. And that might even happen in the church environment. Probably not here in heaven. But it, it might even happen with, with Christian friends. You say, oh, you're getting a little bit passionate about Jesus here, aren't you? Well... Keep pushing through the crowd. Keep pushing through the crowd. Blind Bartimaeus. Well, he's not blind a- anymore. Well, he's dead now because uh, this was 2,000 years ago. Um, <laughs> but in Mark chapter 10, uh, this chap called Bartimaeus shouted and shouted because he knew Jesus was passing by. And there was this huge crowd again. But somehow, this man who was blind shouted so loudly that he got Jesus' attention. Um, Son of David, have mercy upon me, is what he shouted. Son of David, have mercy upon me. And it says in, the, in Mark chapter 10, they tried to quiet him down. Chill out, mate. Chill out. You're, you're not going to catch Jesus' attention. Son of David, have mercy upon me. And of course, Jesus stops, he hears, and he goes to Bartimaeus and he heals his blindness. He's, he's no longer blind. Um, he wasn't then. Um, and it reminds me again that I should keep pursuing God, even when people uh, tell me that I shouldn't. Even when it's difficult, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's challenging. Life can be challenging sometimes, can't it? That's when we need to go after God more than ever. That's when we need to resolve in our hearts that I'm going to run hard after God. And I don't, I'm not going to be stopped by anyone. And I'm going to shout louder and, and run harder after God than I ever have. Because in those challenging times, just one touch of God, just knowing his presence in your life will make all the difference. Amen? Uh, and then, of course, also in Mark chapter 10, I love the account of, of the children who climbed into the arms of Jesus. And Jesus said that those who approach him should approach him like children. Um, with a simple, pure, and sincere desire for him. Um, and, and those children climbed into Jesus' arms, and Jesus blessed those kids. And the disciples, again, they were like, kids, get away from Jesus. Don't you know who this is? It's the Son of God here. So make way, make way. But Jesus was like, let the kids come. Let them come. They were desperate to be around him. And, and that's how we should be, just with this childlike faith that says, God, I, I don't know the answers. I, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the wisdom. Um, but what I know is if I can just get hold of you, then something will happen. Then my life could well change. Um, there's many, many more examples of individuals in the Bible who pursued God with hungry hearts. But meeting with Jesus isn't, isn't something that is just historic. You know, looking around this room, I know people who are sitting here looking at me um, with smiley faces, um, 
who, who have encountered God personally, who have encountered Jesus. For the last 2,000 years, people have been encountering Jesus in life-changing ways. And when Jesus left this earth 2,000 years ago, um, he said to his disciples, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, my Spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and you will always know that I'm with you. You will always have me with you by my Spirit. So God himself, who has always manifest himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one God. Um, and we know him as our Father in heaven. We know him as Jesus, the Son of God, who came into this world and, and died on the cross, took our sins upon himself so that our sin could be paid for and forgiven by God so that we can stand before God free of sin, free of, free of condemnation, when God looks at you, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, then you are completely clean and completely pure in God's sight. What an amazing thing that is. And, you know, we understand that Jesus went, died on the cross, was buried, rose from the dead, and is now sat at the right hand of the Father in majesty. And Jesus will be coming again one day to receive every believer, all those that have already died and all those that still live on earth to himself and set up his new kingdom, which will be pure and perfect and, and, and eternal. Anyway, that's another story for another day. But when Jesus left this earth, when he left his disciples, his, the follow, those that were following him, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And, and what happened in that upper room in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit came and filled their lives, came and empowered their lives, and they were never the same again. And I, w when I was 10 years old, I, I met Jesus by, his, by God's Spirit. I met the Holy Spirit and my life was never the same again. And I'll go into a little bit more detail of that in just a moment. But it's really important to remember that God isn't hiding from us. All right? You might feel like God's far off, like Jacob felt. You know, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. God's not far off. God, God wants to... To, to come alongside, not just come alongside, to fill your life with his presence. He wants you to know his presence in your life. The living God, the God that created all things, the God of eternity wants you to know his presence in your life. And that's possible because we've been made pure by Jesus when we put our faith in Christ who died on the cross for us. And so God can come and fill these, these pure vessels with his presence. Uh, Matthew 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, satisfied. God is ready to fill every hungry heart. Psalm 107 verse 9, it says, For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Um, my first encounter with, with Jesus came when I made the decision um, uh, as a 10-year-old um, who had just received Jesus as my savior, um, I went to this tent meeting, this, this meeting in the tent, um, where there was a couple of hundred people and everyone was, was worshiping. And, and I looked around and I thought, uh, there's something happening here and I want to be part of it. And so I just began to sing songs of worship and... And I remember 
feeling God, feeling his present for the f- presence for the first time. And this happened a few times over my teenage years, but when I was 16 years old, um, the same sort of thing happened again. I kind of like, I knew God was real. I wanted to follow him, but I was messing up a lot. And, um, and God was, it just felt like God was far off. And so in this time of worship in, in the church building, a little village called North Battersley, just, just uh, north of uh, Romsey, or just, just near Romsey, um, I, I made a decision that I was going to sing these worship songs from my heart, that I was going to mean every word, um, that I was going to worship God from the depth of my heart, not just sing songs. And as I did, literally within moments, I felt God's presence. And it was like, it was like um, a, a waterfall just was, was released over me. Just I, I could feel like God's presence. It was like electricity was just like running through my body. Um, uh, and I, I, I realized that this is something that, that God doesn't want just to be a one-off in my life. God wants me to know his presence in my life on, on a regular basis, on a daily basis. He wants us, every one of us, to know his presence. And, uh, and if I didn't have that, then I wouldn't be able to do this. <laughs> If I, if I didn't have God in the way that, that, that I have, an, an, an experiential way, then, then I would only know about God, and that's not enough for me. That is not enough for me. And I would dare to say that's not enough for you either. So my prayer this morning is that, that a, a hunger would grow in every one of our hearts and that we would pursue God this month and this year like we have never pursued God before. Would, uh, would the worship team come up, please? Because we're just going to spend a time, a few moments, um, as we come to a close uh, in this service this morning uh, to worship God. Um, before we do that, <clears throat> I just want to, to, to say, if there's anyone here this morning and, and you've, you've never started a relationship with God, um, maybe you know about God, um, but you've never begun to walk with him. Um, I just want to say once again, there is nothing in this world that can satisfy your life. There's nothing in this world that can satisfy your life outside of God. Nothing can fulfill you. Only God can truly fulfill you. And, and you will be lost in life and you'll be lost for eternity unless you come to Jesus and let him clean you up. Just put your faith in him. Put your faith in him and say, Jesus, I believe that when you died on the cross, you took the punishment for my sin, my wrongdoing, all the stuff that ever separated me from God who is perfect. And, and this, this amazing exchange takes place the moment you make that decision. All the bad stuff, all the sin, all the impure stuff, Jesus took it on the cross. In exchange, you become right in the eyes of God. Jesus was completely right, completely righteous. He was perfect in every way. And his perfection becomes yours the moment you put your faith in Jesus. What a wonderful thing that is. So before we do anything else this morning, I just want to pray a prayer for those that have never prayed a prayer of introduction to God before, where you can just make your peace with God right now and receive Jesus as your Savior. Would you just bow your heads, please? Say after me, everyone together, say, Dear Father, I accept that I cannot live up to your perfect standard 
and I repent of my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I believe that you forgive me and you make me new. I surrender to you. I want to take your path for my life. So please fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to live a life that honors you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Would you just keep your heads bowed just for a moment? If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, would you just raise your hand just so I can see you? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just see three hands that, that went up there. And I just want you to know that the decision that you've made today to accept Jesus as your Savior is literally the best decision you can make in your life. It saves you from a lost eternity for a start. You're going to spend the rest of your life and all of eternity in relationship with God. What a wonderful thing that is. Simply by making that decision to put your faith in Christ. So, is there anyone else? You didn't raise your hand then. Anyone else? You're saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. I put my faith in him today. I put my faith in Jesus. Okay, thank you. Okay. You can just lift your heads up again. Uh, we're going to just spend, <laughs> we're going to just spend um, a few moments just worshipping this morning. And um, I don't think I'm going to pray for anyone. Uh, maybe that will happen in the next couple of weeks. But um, what I'd just like you to do today is, is, is allow a hunger to grow in your heart for God. Um, is, is just maybe even ask God, say, God, if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling stale in your walk with God, maybe you're feeling like you're that person that knows about God, but, but you don't really know him. And my prayer for you is that, that a, a desperate hunger would, would begin in your heart where you, you just can't get enough of God. Where you, where you run hard after him and you experience his presence in your life. Because only encountering God will change your life. So would you stand? As, as I said earlier, um, when, you, when you really encounter God, you'll know it because you will want to know him more. You want to live for him. You will want to walk out his calling upon your life. And you want to serve him with your whole heart. So Father, I just thank you this morning as we, as we worship you. Lord, that every person in this room would just experience a fresh hunger for you. I think it's a decision that we make, isn't it, church? It's a decision that we make. We say, God, I'm going to go after you. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to be hungry for you. I'm, I, I realize, Lord, that only you can satisfy only you can fill my desperate hunger that I have for you. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that that, that would be created, Lord, that, that, that people would, would just begin to experience a fresh hunger and a fresh thirsting for you, for your presence, Lord. But also, more than that, Lord, that, that we would see people experience your living waters. Thank you, Lord, that you satisfy the longing heart. You fill the hungry heart with your goodness. Would you just lift your hands to God as you stand where you are today?
If you feel comfortable, just lift your hands to the Lord. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, fill us with your presence. Fill us with your presence, Lord.